I fear not the dark itself, but what may lurk within it. Welcome to Lurk, bringing you creepy, strange, and bone-chilling stories with your host, Jamie Jackson. Welcome to this week's episode. This episode is full of some interesting and little-known history and some ghosts. And if my equipment cooperates, maybe even a few EVPs. This week we're talking about the ghosts of Point Lookout State Park in Scotland, Maryland. If you follow Lurk on Facebook or Instagram, there was a little giveaway contest to guess where I was based on a photo and I was at Point Lookout. I went on a little getaway with my husband, and I may or may not have chosen the location based on the proximity to a haunted location I wanted to cover. So let's get started, shall we? Point Lookout State Park is a public recreation area and historic preserve on Point Lookout, which is the southernmost tip of a peninsula with the Chesapeake Bay on one side and the Potomac River on the other side. The Potomac River is the boundary between the states of Maryland and Virginia. It is located in St. Mary's County, Maryland. You're going to have to bear with me here for a minute. There is a lot of history in this area, and I don't know if I've said this before or not, but the history of an area typically points to the reasons for the haunting. It's important to know the history. And personally, I think history is kind of cool because I'm a nerd. Anyway, Captain John Smith, who you might know from the Pocahontas legends, came ashore at Point Lookout in 1608. Smith gave very favorable reports on the area to the King of England, mentioning the abundance of game and fish, the fertile soil, and the strategic military value of the area. It overlooks the confluence of the Potomac River, the Patuxent River, and St. Mary's River, and also gives access to the Chesapeake Bay. It made it a prime location for a British settlement, and in 1634, the first settlement was built in nearby St. Mary's City. Because of the strategic location, Point Lookout was raided by British forces during the American Revolution. The area got its name from its role as a lookout post used to watch British ship movements during the War of 1812. And during the War of 1812, the Chesapeake was a major route for British warships, who had a naval and military base on nearby Tangier Island. You might remember Tangier Island from last week's episode about pirate ghosts. The British used this base to raid waterfront towns and farms, and attacked and burned Washington, D.C., and unsuccessfully attacked the city of Baltimore. During the American Civil War in in 1862, a large portion of the land around Point Lookout was turned into port and temporary city of civilians and military personnel with numerous buildings. It included a large Union Army hospital, a U.S. Army garrison, and a Union prisoner of war camp to hold Confederate captives. At the Battle of Gettysburg in July of 1863, 
the Union Army captured thousands of Confederates that were housed in Point Lookout. The POW camp was officially named Camp Hoffman. It was 40 acres with a 15-foot-tall wooden fence, and guards kept watch from a gallery at the top of the fence. The camp was originally built to hold 10,000 men, but it ended up holding between 12,000 to 20,000 men when the prisoner exchanges were put on hold. The result was overcrowded conditions with up to 16 men in a tent and poor sanitary conditions. It was the largest Union prisoner of war camp, and it had one of the worst reputations. 50,000 men total were held at the camp at one time or another, and about 4,000 died, mostly because of the poor conditions. Some numbers have that closer to 8,000. Prisoners were kept in an open-air camp in tattered old tents. It was hot and mosquito-infested in the summer and bitterly cold in the winter. There were reports of contaminated water and spoiled food. A smallpox outbreak forced the establishment of a separate unit for infectious disease. A relative of mine was arrested as a civilian and held at the camp, dying of pneumonia there two months before the end of the war. Also during the time of the Civil War, the USS Tulip, a Union gunboat, was on its way back to Washington, D.C. to have its starboard boiler repaired. The captain was under orders not to fire up the defective boiler, but he did it anyway, and on November 11, 1864, the tulip exploded off of Ragged Point. Forty-seven men died. Of the ten survivors, two eventually died from their wounds. Eight mangled bodies washed up onto the beach at Point Lookout. Also of note, my three-times great-grandfather was the pilot on the tulip, they have a memorial service there every year near the anniversary. We were actually just there last week. Continuing with Point Lookout history, there's a lighthouse located there as well. It was originally built in 1830, beginning as a one-and-a-half-story house. The building was then enlarged over the years. Tragedy happened not long after the lighthouse was built, when the first lightkeeper, James Davis, died on duty. During its history, two other keepers died while on watch. After the death of James Davis, his wife Anne maintained the lighthouse for many years after his death. Anne stayed in the lighthouse until her death. She was found laying in the lantern room, having died while performing her routine tasks. In 1878, even though there was a lighthouse on shore, the steamer Express broke up off the coast during a hurricane. 22 lives were lost that night. There is now an automated light offshore, but the lighthouse still stands. Restored to what it looked like in 1927, though it is much closer to the shoreline now due to erosion. With all this wealth of history and despair, it's not a surprise to learn that the area is haunted. One of the most well-known haunted locations on Point Lookout is the lighthouse. There were so many reports of hauntings there that famed parapsychologist Hans Holzer investigated. Hans Holzer and his team recorded 24 different voices in the building, both male and female. They were heard singing, talking, and often using foul language. One recording that said, Fire if they get too close to you, was thought to reference the Confederate soldiers 
housed there on the peninsula. A woman's voice recorded on the tower staircase and thought to be that of Anne Davis, who was, of course, the wife to the first lighthouse keeper, mentioned my home, and another voice said, let us not take objection to what they are doing. Other recordings said, I was in the water. The voice of a young boy said, can I play? And the voice of an old man said, get off that pier. People who visit the lighthouse experience very chilly air in parts of the building, along with a rotten smell coming from one particular room. Though once Dr. Holzer publicly voiced his belief that the smell was from the tormented spirits of people held there against their will, those falsely accused of spying or having Confederate sympathies, the smell seemed to disappear. Hans Holzer, during his investigation, actually said, This place is haunted as hell. In addition to strange sounds, smells, and cold spots, apparitions have also been seen. Ann Davis has been seen standing at the top of the stairs in a white blouse and a long blue skirt. The former park manager, Jerry Sword, used to live in the lighthouse. During the time that he lived there, Mr. Sword often heard snoring in the kitchen. Sometimes he would hear voices outside of the back of the house, but when he would go to see who was there, he found no one. One evening, he saw figures of men going through the house. On one occasion, Mr. Sword was sitting in the kitchen at night while a nasty storm was brewing outside. He started to feel that eerie sensation of being watched. As the storm raged outside, Sword looked up to see the face of a young man wearing a floppy hat and loose-fitting coat at the window. As Sword opened the door in welcome, the three-dimensional apparition floated in and disappeared. Jerry Sword was certain it was the ghost of a crewman from the Steamer Express that broke up in a storm in 1878. The body of young crewman Joseph Heaney washed up on the beach and he had been buried near where they had found his body. Heaney's description was printed in the newspapers at the time, and it matched the image of the man Sword had seen in his window. Jerry Sword also sometimes heard footsteps in empty rooms, and on the staircase, and the low murmur of voices. The sounds of objects crashing to the ground would send Jerry running to see what had happened, only to find that nothing was out of order. He heard coughing and felt invisible entities pass by him as he entered a room. And there was the constant feeling of being watched. I have that feeling sort of often, usually when I'm sitting here recording the podcast. Today it's kind of quiet, but I'm recording a little earlier than usual. That wasn't a challenge if there's anybody dead hanging around here. Numerous fishermen throughout the years have heard calls for help while they're on the water, only to find that there was no one to be found. There's also some photographic evidence of spirits in the lighthouse. In the late 1970s, there was a seance held there. Laura Berg, a former lighthouse resident, is standing in the center of the photo holding a candle, and to her left is the form of a man in soldier garb, a weapon sash, and one leg haphazardly crossed over the other, appears to be leaning against the wall. No one saw this man there during the seance. They only noticed him later in the photograph. 
Mrs. Berg had many experiences in the lighthouse. On her first night spent there, she woke to the sound of heavy or old-fashioned boots walking up and down the hall. She also relayed that one of the rooms had a very bad odor at night. Some mornings she heard a female voice at the top of the stairs singing. She could never tell what song was being sung, but it always seemed to be a happy one. Sometimes Mrs. Berg heard the sound of men laughing and talking in the south side living room, and whenever she checked for intruders, she never found anyone. Laura Berg only saw something one time, and it was two figures in the lighthouse basement. They were transparent, and it wasn't clear if they were male or female. Laura Berg had several members of her family and friends visit her during her time at the lighthouse, and several of her guests had experiences of their own. One time when her parents were visiting, her mother was awakened in the night by someone calling her name. Another friend went into the living room and saw a woman in a blue dress. Thinking it was perhaps another guest, she went to ask Laura who it was. Both of them returned to the living room, but there was no one there. Mrs. Berg's most memorable experience was waking up one night and seeing an unusual series of six lights. She thought it might have been a reflection from a boat or a car, but when she looked out, everything was dark. As she became more awake, she suddenly smelled smoke. She jumped up and ran downstairs to find her space heater on fire. She was able to put the fire out, but the entire wire was burnt, as was the wall socket. She realized that if she hadn't been woken up by the lights, the whole house could have burned down with her in it. She felt like someone was looking out for her. Perhaps it was Ann Davis protecting her beloved lighthouse. During my recent visit, I was able to record an EVP while standing on the porch of the lighthouse, as it is not currently open to the public. So I want to play that now. So that was the first one. I asked if there was anybody there at the lighthouse, and there was a response. So I'm going to play it again. And then I got, I also got this recording. So with that recording, I, there's a couple things in the beginning, and then I ask if Anna is there, and then of course that's where I get the very loud response. So I'm going to play that for you one more time. And then I have this third recording, also at the lighthouse. And um, again, I asked if there was anybody at the lighthouse, and there was a response right after my question, and I'm going to play that again. So another strange encounter at the park comes from a former park ranger. 
and this is what he wrote. The incident I am about to relate occurred on an unseasonably warm day in early March of 1977. I had been a park ranger at Point Lookout for only two months. Although mine was a new job, Point Lookout was not new to me. I had lived my lifetime of 25 years in the Point Lookout area. I was working the evening shift. It was a weekday, and despite the beautiful warm weather, there were few park visitors. At about 4.30 p.m., I was on the Potomac River beachfront, gathering and recording weather data, when I noticed an elderly woman standing about 40 yards from me. She caught my attention because she was strangely shuffling along, looking at her feet. She appeared to be desperately looking for something she had lost in the grass. After I had watched her for about five minutes, I walked over to offer my assistance. My first thought was that perhaps she had lost her keys. She seemed very distant, and our conversation was brief. I only remember three points she made. She did not need my assistance. She lived up the beach a ways, and she asked if I knew where the gravestones were that used to be where we were standing. I remember that for some reason I was imposing on the woman, and not wanting to be an imposition, I left to walk the 300 yards east to the Chesapeake Bay shore to record more data. About five minutes later, while I was walking back to my truck, which I had left parked near the river, I noticed that the woman had disappeared. It was then that I realized the adjacent parking lot was empty. Furthermore, from my vantage point since our conversation, I would have had to have seen any cars entering or leaving the area, and no one had. A few hours later, I asked then-park manager Jerry Sword if he knew anything about a graveyard near the Potomac River picnic area. He wanted to know why I was asking, so I related my encounter. After Mr. Sword heard my story, he told me that there had once been a graveyard somewhere near where the mysterious lady had been wandering. It had been the Taylor family graveyard. Its exact location is no longer known, but its former existence is well documented. Records show that one of the individuals buried in the lost graveyard is Elizabeth Taylor. Her gravestone was stolen and later found in a local hotel by a Point Lookout ranger. Though people have searched, no one has found the location of the Taylor Cemetery. There are other accounts shared by other Point Lookout park rangers. One mentioned that he had witnessed a man running across the road through Point Lookout. The sightings always took place during the day and on one of the same sections of road, and the man always crossed the road after the truck had passed, causing the ranger to view the man in the rearview mirror. The man always crossed in the same direction. Other rangers have witnessed the same man at different times of day and different times of the year. The witness said, The first time I saw the man, I immediately returned to the crossing site. The man was running using long strides. He first appeared at the edge of the road, adjacent to one of the Point Lookout camping areas. He crossed the road and dashed into the woods on the other side, leaving the park property. My first thought was that he was a trespasser fleeing the area. I examined the area but was unable to find any type of path on either side of the road or any evidence of human or animal crossing. I did not get a good enough look at the intruder to identify him or describe his attire. 
The site of the crossing is near the original Confederate soldier cemetery, where prisoners who had died of smallpox at the nearby smallpox ward for sick Confederates had been buried. The route the man was taking would have been directly away from the hospital. Apparently, Confederate prisoners would trick Union guards into sending them to the hospital, and then they would attempt to escape through the same woods from which the man was fleeing. Was this the ghost of a prisoner who had escaped the hospital only to die there in the woods? Because Point Lookout is on a peninsula, electricity can only be brought in from one direction. So it isn't uncommon for the point to lose power. On one stormy night, when the power was out, former park ranger Jerry Sword had an unusual experience. According to Jerry, he lit three identical candles on a candelabra in the living room. He left the candelabra for a few minutes to go in the kitchen to get his dinner. A few moments later, he heard a loud sound come from the living room. He went to see what had caused the noise. The candelabra was as he had left it, only there was a noticeable difference in the size of the candles. The first candle had only burned down about an inch. The second had burned down nearly four inches. But the third only had about an inch of wax left, and part of the candle was lying on the floor. The candle had somehow broken. Even more confusing was that the wick attached to the chunk of candle on the floor had obviously been burning, but it had been extinguished, and the wick on the piece of the candle left on the candelabra was burning. Later, Mr. Sword moved to a property next to an old Civil War road that ran the length of Point Lookout. On several occasions, Jerry Sword's German Shepherd seemed to see someone or something traveling on the old Civil War road. The dog would sit and watch invisible foot traffic go by for lengthy periods, and other times the dog would bark and lunge against his chain as though he was trying to get to an intruder, walking down the road, though there was no one there. In September 1999, Ranger Kevin Hook was in his living room in the small white house across the road from the fishing pier. The room faced south and toward the road that the soldiers used to march into Point Lookout. Kevin's dog, Timber, was sitting at his feet, and next to him was a friend's dog. The thermometer read 100 degrees. Kevin and his friend were talking quietly when the two dogs jumped up and ran, panic-stricken, into the dining room. The dog stood in the doorway, barking continuously at something in the living room. Suddenly, the living room turned bitter cold, even though the thermometer still read 100 degrees. The room was freezing in seconds, and the two men could even see their breath when they exhaled. It remained that cold for about 30 seconds, and then the temperature returned to the sauna-like temps. There was never any explanation as to what happened in the room that day, but it seems the two dogs sensed something was going on. As with many Civil War sites, reenactors sometimes present a living history at Point Lookout. During one such event, volunteer ranger Bob Crickenberger was dressed as a Union soldier and was staying in the guardhouse. The night was rainy, but Bob still went out to walk the grounds one last time. As he bent down to look at something, a bullet passed over his head and smashed into the window behind him. Shattered glass was all over the ground. He ran to his truck, and there he spent a restless night. 
At daybreak, Bob cautiously went to the guardhouse to check out the damage. But to his surprise, the window was completely fine, and there was no broken glass or a bullet anywhere around. Point Lookout State Park, in addition to the historical areas and fishing pier, also has a campground. I've camped there. It's actually pretty nice. It was closed this past year for renovations, and I'm not certain when it will be open, um, hopefully next year. And the campground is, of course, also haunted. As you guessed, that might have been the reason why I suggested the family go there for a camping trip. A man by the name of Donald Goodman camped at Point Lookout many times with his family. In 1992, when Donald was 16, he was walking late at night with a friend. On the road, a tall, straight figure walked toward them. As the image came closer, he noticed its gray appearance. He said, I couldn't understand why I couldn't see a face. The image came closer and closer until he was about 10 feet away. I felt like I was in his way, but I couldn't move or speak. Finally, we were face to face. All I saw was a gray image. He turned, lunging upward a bit, and walked in front of me and into a gravel pile and disappeared. Later, as I ran the image over and over in my mind, I recalled I never saw his feet. Assistant Park Manager April Havens had her own campground ghost experience. She was working the Midnight Foot Patrol and about 3 a.m., a deep, low-lying fog was hanging around, along with the smell of campfires. She walked around the Hoffman camping loop and suddenly felt a chill when she passed Site 145. She felt as if someone was following her. She heard a noise behind her and turned to see a row of white square tents in the middle of the road, tents like the ones that were used in the POW camp. Havens took off running to the camp office where she quickly entered and shut the door. I came across a few comments and reviews from campers about some of the experiences that they've had. The first reads, We stayed there early in the camping season 2016. The only campers in our loop, during the night, footsteps paced slowly back and forth outside our trailer. It had rained during the day before, and the ground was still quite soft. No footprints in the morning, but it crunched heavily back and forth. Next night, there was otherworldly chanting noises, loud and hollow sounding. Not a radio or any other sound system like that. It went on from around 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Nothing about it was recognizable as just people down at the beach. We packed up and out we went next morning, never going back. The next reads... My wife and I camped at Point Lookout in the early 90s. Being midweek, we were the only ones in the park aside from the camp hosts. We were sitting at our picnic table one evening when there was a sulfur smell that came out of nowhere. At the same moment, my wife yelled that something had touched her. I turned around and saw one mantle of our propane lantern go out while the other stayed burning normally. Never before or since has this lantern ever done that. When we spoke with the host the next morning, they were not surprised, telling us that we had been visited by one of the local ghosts. Prior to this, we had no idea that the area was haunted. Definitely a lively place. And last but not least, this one says, 
I just wanted to say I personally experienced the Confederate soldier at Point Lookout. He looks exactly like Abe Lincoln in a Confederate soldier suit and looks worried but on a mission. I encountered him walking on a trail from the campsites, myself and my two stepbrothers. He paid no mind to us, but geez, he was harsh looking. I thought it so odd that he was in such heavy, outdated clothes because it was in the high 90s out. I thought it was an actor for the park. He paid us no mind, but about 10 minutes later, we were chased by a presence that we couldn't see, but was moving the tall grasses and trees behind us, and we could hear the footsteps down the trail. When we would run, it would run, and stopped when we stopped. We ran and kept running until we were back at the campsite. I was 10 at the time, and my brothers 9 and 11. I don't want to sound ignorant, but I had no idea at the time any of Point Lookout's history. My family frequented Point Lookout often, and it wasn't until I was 18 and was there crabbing that I put the pieces together. I was in their little general store getting bait and snacks when I seen a postcard there that depicted the man's uniform exactly. I got chills and asked the older lady working there some details. She filled me in. I have since done searches here and there and have seen he is a common occurrence. I have been to Point Lookout numerous times since and have even brought my children and have not had any more experiences. I did, however, have a park worker once tell me about the old lady on the beach. He told me she is dressed in white and looks for the grave of her child, which was moved during construction. So eerie. There are other camper accounts of strange things at the Point Lookout campground. One couple mentioned hearing a man say, hey, one night outside their tent, followed by the sound of footsteps circling them. They watched out of the open window of their tent, but they never saw a soul. Other campers mentioned seeing Elizabeth Taylor on the beach looking for her tombstone. I also recorded a couple of EVPs from Point Lookout from the area of the, the hospital. So I'm going to play the first one for you. So I ask if there's anything that it wants to say, and uh, there is a response, so I'm going to play that one again. And here is another one. that one is short. I was actually just standing still and recording. So let me play that one again for you. And here is another one. Again, we were getting ready to leave the area, and I just asked if anybody wanted to say something, and there was a response. So let me play that for you again. We're getting ready to leave if there's anything you want to say. (laughs) 
So as I mentioned, I have camped there at Point Lookout, but I did not encounter any ghosts, except maybe the ghosts of the overcooked vegetables from dinner. I was hoping I'd have my toe pulled, as that is a phenomena mentioned by campers. Seems that's how the guards check to see if a sleeping prisoner was dead or not. Honestly, I really, I wasn't hoping that I would have my uh, toe pulled, because if that happened, I would have crapped in my tent. So that's going to do it for this episode. As always, you can find episodes of Lurk wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, or at lurkpodcast.com, where we have episodes and links to our socials. Be sure to give us a like or follow on Facebook or Instagram. We do have a Twitter account, but I usually forget to use it. We also have a YouTube channel if you prefer to listen that way. If you have a moment, consider giving us a five-star review and or voting for us in the Paranormality Magazine's Top 10 Paranormal Podcast list. You can find the link to that in the show notes or on our Facebook page. And until next time, keep lurking. Keep lurking.